Well, hello everybody and welcome to Richard's Radio Adventures. My name is Richard, KB5JBV. Welcome to our show. If we are in the middle of a cold snap down here in Texas. It's all the way down in the 80s. The uh, annual hobo migration has begun. The gators are shedding their skins out on the public roadways and highways. And we are coming up to one, we have two rainy seasons, one of our rainy seasons here in Texas. Uh, you can be guaranteed that there are two times we know we're going to get uh, rainfall, and that would be the week of the Byron Nelson Classic over in Dallas, and the State Fair of Texas. You can be guaranteed it's going to rain during those events. If it doesn't, that would be a sign of global warming. However, well, I say that because I've seen it as hot as 100 degrees at the State Fair and as cool as 50 degrees at the State Fair. But there's always rain, one way or the other. So, I hope everything's going well in everybody's world. I uh, need to do a little housekeeping here and then we'll get on to the main topic. Uh, we have had uh, Patreon. Please go over and take a look at the Patreon. Uh, this Patreon gives you the ability to um, make a single donation or become technically a subscriber to the podcast. You know, little a small donation every month. Uh, keep it low enough where you really don't miss it that much. Uh, go over and sign up. We will be having uh, Patreon specific uh, extra stuff in the future. Uh, there's access to some of our online stuff. At some point, we're probably going to do some live recording, uh, allow y'all to sit in on the process, that kind of thing. And we also do have videos over at YouTube, which is part of the deal as well. So uh, go on over to the website, click the link for Patreon. We also have another service that we just brought online, which is called Buy Me a Coffee. Now, Buy Me a Coffee is pretty much, or it's very similar to Patreon. Kind of really uh, depends on which one you want to uh, to uh, sign up with. I would take, um, as I'm a picky consumer, so I go and check out all the options on everything that somebody discusses with me and try to make, uh, figure out which one's the most comfortable fit for me. Uh, it will basically have the same thing. There will in the future, you will be in the future have access to extra content. I've been going through some of the old, uh, snips and snippets and stuff, uh, things that we recorded back in the initial run of Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. And that kind of thing, and uh, those will in the future be available. So we have those two out of the way. Uh, buy me, co uh, buy me a coffee and Patreon. And if uh, you think a one-time donation is the thing you want to do, well, there's always PayPal. There's a PayPal link over there on the website as well. You can go in, drop in a donation, and you're going to get a mention. Uh, we really have been. Uh, lacks on this show about mention, making mentions, but we're going to start making sure we get everybody uh, everybody the credit that they are due. So while I'm thinking about that, 
Oh yeah, there's a link for PayPal on the website as well. While I'm thinking about that, I would like to, uh, I would like to announce our one and only Patreon, Tim, K-O-4-I-V-M, K-O-4-I-V-M, Tim. And, uh, Tim's been with us about four months and he is the only person who has signed up so far. And I suppose he must be listening to this show in particular because, um, we're still doing archives at resonant frequency. So, uh, none of this stuff is actually started showing up over there yet. However, thank you, Tim. And we will darn sure make sure that from now on, you and all the other Patreons, I know it's kind of lonely in there, you and all the other Patreons, um, get mentioned on the show. So with that, uh, let's see, nag, 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 one more nag. We have been forced, due to the lack of activity on Amazon, they're going to shut us down over there, due to the lack, lack of activity there, um, lack of uh, donations and stuff coming through, Patreon, Cup of Coffee, and PayPal, we have been put in a position that we will have to be taking on one or two, uh, dang it, advertisers, okay? But we're not going to make it a big old pain, and we did have Amazon as an advertiser on the website. So it's not unusual, and we've never had more than, I think we had Audible at one time. We had, uh, of course, Amazon. Uh, quite honestly, we did pretty well on Amazon for a lot of years as far as having the money to pay the server fees and all this other stuff. But uh, we have decided that we're going to put, uh, we are going to start having a few advertisers on the website, and the first one in line is Bridgecom. Uh, Bridgecom, you know the guys, they make the Anytone radios, and I think it's a SkyBridge uh, hotspot, and it's quite honestly, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of their equipment. Uh, Y'all have heard about my misadventures with the uh, what is it? TYT MD 380 UV or UE 380, whatever they call it. Well, about, about the same time or just previous to that, I purchased an Anytone 878. And this is not an ad, y'all. We ain't got there yet. Uh, in fact, there probably won't be an ad on this episode, but, uh, this is just my personal experience. I bought the MD 380 dual band or whatever the designation is for it. And the Anytone, roughly about the same time, the Anytone, the programming interface is cleaner. The It's easier to understand if you're coming off of uh, uh, programming software from the big three. You know who the big three are. And that kind of stuff, the radio itself is built like a, I mean, it's built like a solid brick. I mean, it is heavy. It is solid. You know it's there, and I have no problem uh, with wondering if it's going to work the way I need it to when it, when I go to use it. Y'all go check out the, just check out the extras that are on it. I can do APRS on this thing. There is a way to do uh, SMS, instant messages, all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm happy to have them on board. We're going to try not to get it to the point it's obnoxious, but now we've done, even though we weren't doing an ad, we've done a three or four minute ad for any time. So 
uh, back to that. What's going on in the world here? Well, we had a visit from, what is his call sign? Into KIP or into VIP in anyway, the uh, affiliated club coordinator for the AWRL in our section actually came to our last meeting and we sat there and bounced and bounced things back and forth and hashed things up and put it all in different locations. Anyway, the whole point is most of what he was telling the folks at the meeting is what we've been doing in the first place. The only place we really fall down is uh, just a couple of us having to do everything. And we're going to work on finding more members that will do, will be receptive to uh, uh, tasks being delegated to them. But it's okay. We're still chugging along. Uh, the uh, area group is kind of languished because I am so overloaded where the club is concerned. We're going to get that taken care of. And let's see what else. What else? We finally got the uh, antenna on the van so we can operate mobile, sort of, uh, either through the uh, through the crossband radio here or occasionally I get close enough to a repeater, I can get into it. I'd like to thank Billy McDonald, a.k.a. 5DX, for uh, he's always had super repeaters, and here I am probably 30 miles away, eh, maybe 20, 25 miles away, from one of his repeaters and with a four foot, uh, four watt bowfang radio through a dual band mag mount on top of my van, I am able to run up and down uh, one of the state highways out here between uh, Terrell, where I live, and Kaufman, which is about 13, 14 miles away, and dead solid, boom, into the repeater all the time. You are a god, Billy McDonald. Alrighty, so let's see, we did that, and let's see what else we got. I know we got something else, they got to be something else. Oh, Belton Hand Fest. If you're down at the Belton Hand Fest, look around, especially if you're local to the uh, Terrell, Kaufman, Forney, Kaufman County area, there will be some flyers down there with contact information for our club. And at the very least, you can go hang around with Sander and uh, some of the other guys. Sander's vice president up here, and uh, Colton Watkins is our club treasurer. So, man, we just got a whole lot of stuff going on. Uh, we're still working on a repeater project. I think I may have told you all about that. We were going to go with a couple of bowfangs and some antennas and... If any of you, while I'm thinking about it, if any of you know where I can get my hands on a tone board for a Yezu FT8100H, yeah, it's old radio. If you know where I can get a hold of a tone, tone board for that particular radio, we are in desperate need of that for the uh, going back to the dual banders and working, having a split site. Now, for those of y'all who don't understand what I just said, uh, you're probably pretty new and you need to, like, ask your Elmers about it. That's pretty much the state of everything here. I don't think I missed anything. We talked about Cup of Coffee. We talked about uh, Patreon. We talked about PayPal. Oh, and by the way, with those uh, part of the extras that are coming along in the future with Cup of Coffee and uh, Patreon, is we are 
going to look into they have a plan where we can also have merchandise for the show coffee cups t-shirts that kind of stuff we're going to get back into it the way we were we never did very good at uh oh doggone it what's the name of that place everybody goes to i'm sure i'll remember it by the end of this episode but oh cafe press that's it we never had much luck with them i don't think we sold anything out of cafe press so with that we're going to take a little short quiet spell and then we're going to start the good stuff okay everybody welcome to basic propagation for the new guys part three part three now one of the things i was thinking about propagation wise is that there's a big controversy out there about what is best as far as antennas are concerned uh, is it vertical polarization horizontal polarization polarization corkscrew polarization or uh, polar barrelization anyway so here's the deal ground wave confuses a bunch of us because we come in a lot of us come in from that service where you don't have a license and you can get away with a lot of stuff and in that case we're using one band for that well sometimes a band and a half but if they're not going to crack down on people then they can't get mad if people are using it and anything other than that one band if is up on higher frequency gmrs frs that kind of stuff they're all up on a higher frequency so in our in most people's case when they first come into the into the radio amateur radio service they believe that you know vertical antenna is king it's the best thing it works and yeah it does work but there's more to it when you're an amateur radio operator and this is one of those things. I was trying to look up some information on ground wave propagation so that we could do that for this particular episode. But it turns out that all the uh, stuff that I had on my technician test as far as how far will this band propagate and how far will this band propagate on ground wave has seem to have disappeared completely off the internet. So I'm going to have to go find some of my book and try and dig those numbers up for y'all. Because ground wave propagation is usable form of propagation, guys. In fact, you may have seen it if you do come from that service that we try not to talk about, even though I talk about it a lot. So in the case of that, uh, we'll get to antennas in a minute, but it's, it's like propagation is not, Throw an amplifier on it, throw more power into that signal, and you're going to do great things because that's not it. Some people think all they have to do is go throw an amplifier on their radio, and that's going to make everything okay. Well, it can help, but it's not the answer. What the answer is, antenna. Now, I had a ham tell me when I hadn't been licensed very long, if I'm going to spend a dollar on a radio, I need to spend $2 on that antenna. And that was figurative, not literal. But over the years, I have found out. I have beat out guys on in contests for making contact. I have, you know, just to mess with them. You know, I got one guy over in Mesquite that uh, he's a hot rod contester. He's got a big old beam antenna up on a, uh, I think it's a 50 or 60 foot tower behind his house. 
can do multiple bands off of it. He's got a big old two kilowatt amplifier sitting over on the side and a little Japanese radio sitting next to it and all this good stuff. And he is a hot rod DXer, uh, worked off states and contester. All righty, man. Yeah. Whereas I, on the other hand, take great pride into, in, uh, getting on the HF bands, and if there's nobody else to talk to, going finding a contest and sitting there and listening until I figure out what the exchange is, and then doing a few tricks and jumping in there and beating out a whole bunch of these big gun contesters simply because I have a little bit of technique and a few tricks, but I'm able to get in there and get get card, and that's all what I'm after is cards. So, it, it, anyway, throw, throwing an amplifier at your radio is not the way to go. So we started off with, you know, people ask which is better, horizontal or vertical. Now, vertical has a lot of advantages over horizontal. And kind of in the receiving end, but not as much as you might think. Because the reason you see antennas sticking straight up out of cars and antennas sticking straight up out on a pole in the back of people's house and stuff is because they're working vertical polarization. They're depending on vertical polarization. Now, the thing about polarization is, is that I believe it's there's 20 dB, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, 20 dB difference between perfectly vertically polarized and perfectly horizontally polarized. So in the case of the guy down the block, you might hear him on a vertical antenna, but not be able to hear him on a horizontal antenna if he is running a vertical antenna or vice versa. And that's why a lot of the sidebanders on that band we don't talk about much, they tend to flip their antennas over horizontal for the amateur radio operators, the two-meter sideband guys, horizontal. I don't know if there are gung-ho 440 sideband guys, but they would be horizontal too. And that comes into what we'll talk about in a few minutes. But the difference in it is if you are working ground wave or line of sight, you're going to have this loss in dB if you are polarized differently than your antenna is polarized differently than the guy, person you're talking to. If they just live on the other end of the street, ain't no big deal. But if they're three, four miles away, then you start having problems. Another one of the things about horizontal and vertical is that in our case, as radio operators, vertical is a space saver. I knew a guy that had house over by one of the larger lakes here locally and lived in a place that had... Uh, Antenna or antenna ordinances and stuff like that, you know, homeowner associations trying to be bought and that kind of stuff. And lived on a normal size lot in a housing addition. And he kept trying to figure out how he could get an HF antenna up. They wouldn't let him put up a tower. Uh, they wouldn't let him, uh, if he'd a strung wire all over the place, somebody would have complained it was bad or looked bad. So we came up, and I, actually I worked with the guy too, and we were sitting there one day when it was slow and we were talking about it, and I'm like, do you ever think of putting up the flagpole? And he looked at me and said, well, what do you mean? Said, well, you can take a flagpole, insulate it, 
put a matching network on it and use it for HF. And in the case of if you got one that's fairly long, you can take a, a Versatune antenna matcher, what most people call an MFJ antenna tuner, and hook it up in line and work multiple bands. And he's like, really? I go, uh-huh. So what he did was he went and bought a uh, 50-foot push-up pole, drove some screws in it where the joints were so he had a good electrical connection, stood it up behind his house, attached it to the eave, set it on top of a glass Coke bottle. It's been a while back, kids, but set it on top of a glass Coke bottle. He drove a ground rod in the ground next to it, run a, took a chainsaw and run two or three radials off in the yard, and then ran his coax into a shack. Oh yeah, did I mention before <laughs> before he put it up, he made sure he attached a Confederate battle flag to it and swung that bad boy up, and there it was. And he made some pretty impressive contact on this 50-foot push-up pole that was vertical. But chances are, living over in Mesquite where I was, I probably wouldn't have been able to hear him on HF. It was just a few miles away. So, yeah, vertical antennas are a space saver. Uh, the only limits are that, oh my lord, an 80 meter quarter wave vertical would be kind of hard to manage unless you had some acreage. Even, uh, well, even a 20 meter vertical, unless you've got a way to guide off and stuff, you're really starting to run into something that, I mean, I only have my VHF UHF antenna here at the apartment. Uh, when I have it up, it's only up 16 or 16 feet, four, eight, 16. Yeah, 16 feet. And if I put it up any higher, it's going to be difficult to manage, especially since I'm having to do it in a temporary situation. So yak, 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 Richard, yakking again. So what are the advantages of a horizontal antenna? Well, horizontal antennas, okay, they're not as space efficient as a vertical for sure, but they're forgiving and I mean, it's kind of like dipoles can be bent around corners and all kinds of configurations, and they still pretty much just work, except in the case of beam antennas, and they take up a little bit of real estate as well. But one of those things also is the only commercially built HF antenna I ever owned, and I still have it over in the mini warehouse right now, was an AR-10 Ringo Ranger. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Ringo Ranger, ask some of your Elmers. But the uh, ring, or look it up. And I have multiple two-meter ones that I've used over the years. I thought I had a UHF one, a 70-centimeter one, but I don't know where it got off to. But the whole point is that I have only had that one commercially built HF antenna, and it was a vertical. And it's about 18 feet long, and it only covers a 10-meter band. In the case of wire antennas, I started building wire antennas. In fact, my first HF antenna was a 10-meter dipole that I strung from the eave of the house over to a fence post in the back corner of the yard, and I made some pretty reasonable contacts on it. Plus, wire antennas are cheap, unless you buy them from MFJ. We go back to my friend, I think his name is Don, over in Oregon. He had pure hard fit. Pure hard fit. 
uh, trying to get that thing, well, as far as getting it up, it wasn't an issue, but trying to receive anything on it, which brings us to the second part of today's episode. And I think we're going to make this kind of a, a two-parter so that I can pull this information down later. So y'all stand by a second and we'll pretend we're starting another segment. Okay. You live in a noisy location and you can't figure out why you can't hear radio stations out there. And part of that is because of atmospheric, troposphere, the uh, ionosphere, that kind of stuff. But, and that would be because there's not enough, there's either not enough or too much solar radiation and other things heating up those layers. But the other side of it is that you get a lot of noise where uh, stuff in the environment is, is causing problems. Okay, so we tend to split it up as man-made noise and natural noise. You know, for those of you that are real trendy with your cue signals, which way back in, I'm, there's an episode of something back there somewhere where I talk about my particular opinion of cue signals on a phone circuit. But for those of y'all who are really cool with your, your cue signals, QRN and QRM, these are the bane of all amateur radio operators. So let's start with QRN. Because QRN is pretty easy. A lot of stuff might create natural noise. One of the most prominent ones I can think of right off the bat is lightning. And people that tell you you got to turn you got to turn your radio off or unplug your radio every time there's lightning, they probably need to uh, see a therapist. But uh, lightning and other things out there can generate noise that will be an issue on electromagnetic spectrum. A part of that is uh, some of that atmospheric noise that I was kind of talking about. And the whole point is that you can mitigate that somewhat. Well, let's talk about man-made noise. Man-made noise. Cars make man-made noise. The fan motor in your air conditioner in the house can make man-made noise bad power supply, a circuit breaker that's not so, so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. In the case of man-made noise, the story that uh, I most often tell, looks like we're going marathon on this one, uh, the story I most often tell is that I chased a 60 over no, noise level, and it was just noise. For my HF, because of my HF rig, I chased this thing for weeks and could not figure out what was going on. I drove around the neighborhood to see if anything was, I could find a noise source or anything. I moved, readjusted my antennas. I started turning things off in the house. I did everything I could to try and find this noise. Finally, the one thing that I had not turned off because I gave it to my wife, I told her it was hers, and I wasn't going to mess with it, was her personal desktop computer. And finally, I had had enough, and I went in there, and I shut the power down on that computer and walked back to the radio, and guess what? The noise was gone. And what it turned out being is that the power supply, even though it was working like a champ, there was an issue down inside that power supply in that computer that was 
throwing this noise that was completely wiping out my receive. I replaced the power supply. I put it back in, put the computer back into service. And oh my God, everything was fantastic. So we have to take that into account. And I'm not going to go into a tutorial on tracking down noise at this particular time. However, now that it's come to mind, we probably need to do that for the new guys too. So I'm going to write it down on in the uh, spiral notebook of Doom. And we will get it on the list. So now, as far as the space concern, where antennas are con are concerned, we are talking also talking about that you can mitigate a lot of man-made noise by operating your antennas horizontally polarized, because most man-made noise is vertically polarized. It will eat up a station that's got a vertical antenna. And I know a lot of big DXers out there, they want to get these multi-band uh, Titan antennas and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, okay. But that's another reason we run our beams horizontally. You know, nobody may have mentioned, ever mentioned that to you. We run the beams horizontally because they, they fake some gain, but, and they're big. But also, for the most part, we run them horizontally because it, reduces the amount of man-made noise that interferes with our receipt. And, you know, we're talking about radio wave propagation here, so we're spending a lot of time on discussing what's going to make us receive better, just like the man-made noise dissertation I did just a minute ago. So dipole antennas are good. I mean, if you want to build wire vertical, that would work too. But, you know, there are also other things where you can reduce your noise so you can receive better loop antennas tend to have far less noise and even if they are uh hard or vertically polarized they tend not to pick up near as much man-made noise and that's why on the higher bands two meters 70 centimeters up that loop well loop yaggies is the way i'd put it a loop antenna that has reflectors and directors on it like a standard beam that's why they're popular higher up because not only can you hang them horizontal or vertical polarization but they have the added benefit of being a closed loop and they have less noise now i'm not a physicist you guys you know i've worked on cars i've worked in clubs i've was an offset printer. I've done a lot of stuff, but I'm not a physicist. So as far as a detailed uh, physics discussion on why antennas do what they do, we're going to have to leave that to the smart guys. I'm just a dumb old fella. So I guess the takeaway on this is look into horizontal polarization or as opposed to vertical polarization because the whole point is that the guy two or three thousand miles away that you're working off a F1, F2 layer, E layer, just about anything where that signal bounces off the atmosphere, ionosphere, it's going to kind of lose its orientation anyway. The orientation becomes skewed. And in some cases, you can have a horizontal antenna up and a vertical antenna up on the same band and use a switch box to switch back and forth to get the get the signal better 
because it may come in horizontal, it may come in vertical, it may come in sideways. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to think about here. But I wanted to get the antenna discussion in here and out of the way. I also want y'all to know that if, unless you've got a path to another station, throwing a bunch of power at it ain't gonna help either, and it's sure not gonna help you hear what he's saying back. And I guarantee you there's a lot more 100 watt and wire guys out there like me than there are, are others. Well, I wish I'd have remembered them while we was in the beginning. Uh, I had some words about that. So, let's go ahead and cut this one. Cut this one off here. Uh, unfortunately, we've gone way long this time. But y'all think about some of the stuff I'm talking about right now, and uh, we'll we'll pick up on this some more in a week or two. So with that, everybody, y'all uh, y'all spend some time with your family. Try and enjoy this break in the weather. I know it's uh, 80 degrees doesn't sound like cool around here, but yeah, we were having 90s and 100s here last couple weeks. Take some time to spend with your family. Go out and preach the gospel amateur radio, and we will talk to y'all in a little bit. 7.30. We gotta go.